This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Video Game Roundup. Welcome to the Overdue Homework Podcast. I'm joined by Trav as always, and I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. Hey Trav, how are you today? I am doing super awesome, Drew. I'll tell you why right after you tell me how you're doing. Um, I'm doing okay. Uh, we lost power at our house, excuse me, at uh, my recording studio. <laughs> today. That's a bummer. Yeah, and right before you came over to record and no power. So battery life on my laptop, don't fail me now. Time to wing it. Yeah, time to wing it. Um, so, I am doing super awesome because as of recording this sixth episode, last week we officially published our first episode, mm-hmm. and it is super exciting, man. Lots of cool things, lots of good things people have been saying, lots of positive feedback, and uh, yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah, I've been uh, I'm taken aback a little bit by the positive feedback we've gotten from our family and friends, like it, yeah. it is family and friends, but... Right. Uh, that is still very encouraging, and it makes me feel like uh, maybe we're doing something kind of cool. Definitely. <laughs> and, you know, obviously we have high hopes for this podcast, but, you know, if 10 years down the road, all that happens is we hung out a whole bunch and had a bunch of fun. I'm totally cool with that, too. Yeah, so. and then our legacy, our voices, our personalities, our legacy is on, been recorded for all of time. Forever. <laughs> for better or for worse. Um Last episode, oh, I guess I should say, you know, the Overdue Homework Podcast, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media, as always. As always. Uh, today's episode's a little bit different than what uh, we've been presenting the last uh, five episodes. Um, it's our video game roundup. Video game roundup. So, like, our um, our homework assignment uh, last episode was to get your hands on any Batman video game that you can and play it, and we gave some specific games that we were going to talk about today. Um, we're definitely going to be hitting those up here pretty shortly, but I do have to say I left one thing out of our last podcast. I did not rate Batman and Robin. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't rate it. So I came up with a rating. It might be an excuse to do a certain impression that I enjoyed doing. I'm already excited, (laughs) but I'll just, I'm just going to lay it on you. Uh, uh, I'm going to give Batman and Robin. Three and a half frozen Gothamites out of five. <laughs> and like I said, it's just an excuse to do the impression one more time. A- any excuse to do that is perfectly fine with me. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so do you want to move on to the homework review and start talking about these games? Yeah, let's get into it. It's kind of fun. We kind of get back to our roots of our hangout sessions and play some retro games. Yeah, that was it was really fun to sit down and play these games. And um, I enjoyed the time playing them all and uh, really... Uh, developed a love for the first one we're going to talk about but i just wanted to say before we get into that i got all my information the limited facts that i'm going to share with you guys because i mean honestly there wasn't anything salacious about the publishing of any of these games a lot of information about how they were published and who published them is just really basic surfacey information but i did find the information that i have from various fandom pages and moby games is another website that he used and all of the websites that uh um, I looked at, read through, um, got material from, are going to be in our show notes, links to those websites. Um, so the first game that we're going to talk about is uh, Batman for the NES. And that was published February 13th, uh, 1990 here in uh, North America. A little earlier in Japan, a little later in Europe. That is how it usually went back then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's published by Sunsoft. Uh, pretty obvious. You 
play as Batman. Um, there are a few, <laughs> there's a few levels. Uh, you get Gotham City Streets. And so this game, like when you get into this game and you load it up on your uh, Nintendo, um, you immediately get like some really cool like cutscenes almost is what mm-hmm. you might want to call them. And yeah. They're really impressive for uh, the Nintendo. Really impressive. Yeah. They could definitely be on SNES and you wouldn't think anything different. No. Uh, the the music's really cool uh, right off the beginning. And uh, it's it's a pretty movie accurate game through that part. And then after it, yeah. the locations are a little bit accurate. Like So there's one, two, three, four. There's five basic uh, levels in this game. And like the Gotham City streets, Axis Chemical Plant, the Gotham Sewers, the Mysterious Laboratory, Ooh. and then the Gotham Cathedral. So one, two, three out of the five are uh, um, movie accurate, I'd say, right? Um, right. And the villains besides the Joker, who you face off at, at the end of the game, uh, are Killer Moth, Machine Intelligence System, the Electrocutioner. <laughs> And the dual containment alarm. So those things are not in the movie. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally you face off against Fireberg, Firebug, um, the Joker's most trusted bodyguard, but he does not make an appearance in the movie. Um, and then you f- face off against the Joker. Um, I never actually played those sequences because the game's very hard. Very hard. We did not get that far. Uh, even after bowing to the fact that I wasn't going to be able to complete it, I plugged in the Game Genie mm-hmm. and uh, I used the hearts get more health. So that's always helpful. Unlimited continues and unlimited ammo. So like, you know, pretty standard Game Genie stuff. Right, right. And you'd still get to parts in the game where it was just frustrating where you would die. And it's not because you're being killed by enemies, but you're falling and you're dying and you're falling and you're dying. Right, right. Uh, The game itself was a lot of fun. I have a a pretty good appreciation for that game. And having played it the most out of these games that we're going to talk about, uh, I did find myself getting better at the game. Oh, definitely. Um, just a mat like all those Nintendo games. It's just a matter of repetition, right? Playing and playing and playing over and, playing and over. And, and it's kind of hard to get into those, to get into that mode again of playing games like that because modern games, you're almost always progressing. You're always right. getting rewarded with something and. With those old games, your reward is death. And yeah. Your reward is death over <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah, back to reality, definitely. So it's a, it's a cool, it's a fun game. So, But didn't make it all the way through, but I, it's a game I now own, so I definitely will be playing it. Oh, definitely. It'll be in the regular rotation of retro games that I like to play. Um, so I suppose we can just move on to the Game Boy Batman game, which is the same. It falls into that category where it's marketed as the same game but it's just like there's elements that are similar like where you're collecting weapon Mm power-ups there's platforming elements uh you fight jack napier at the beginning of that one and then ultimately the joker uh so i mean but it's a different game you know i mean it's was made for the game boy yeah um it's a pretty fun game it's one that i had from my youth so i've played that one for a really long time um it, it was cool to pick that one up and play it since I hadn't played it in such a long time. It was mm-hmm. cool to pick it up and brought back a lot of memories of playing that in the car on uh, uh, drives uh, to go to uh, Christmases with my grandparents and stuff like that. So 
It was a nostalgic trip for me, for sure, on that game. Definitely. Uh, that one was released June 1990, also published by Sunsoft. And like I said, finding the actual numbers for these games, for what they sold, was really, really difficult. I couldn't find them anywhere. And I I mean, I, I searched and tried to find them. I didn't spend hours searching for these yeah, numbers, so maybe still. they're out there, but I'm, I spent a half an hour or so looking for these numbers, and that was more than enough for me. Yeah, it seemingly should be easier than that. You'd think it. so. But oddly enough, this was this Game Boy Batman was one of the only games, was the only game that I was able to find concrete numbers, question mark? Because <laughs> uh, on Wikipedia it said that this game sold 500,000 copies. That's a lot of copies that of a Game Boy like game. like so many. Um, it was really well received. Uh, critically, same with the NES Batman, both critically well received, um, and just like the NES Batman, it's a side-scrolling sc- platformer. One level you get to fly the Batwing, so it's like uh, what are those called? Where you're like in like an airplane going up and down, killing oh, enemies, yeah. you know, or it's a top top view or side yep. view. You know what I'm talking about? They have a specific name, and I can't think of the specific name of that type of game. Um, definitely not that much. Uh, base in the 1989 Batman movie. Um, no, definitely not. Both games were fun. I enjoyed playing them both. Um, do you have anything you want to comment on either of those games? Either of those games, Trav? Uh, you know the difficulty level is just you got to play it to really get it. But man, it definitely reminds you of the harsh death reality when you were a kid playing mm-hmm. these. Like you said, it's all about repetition, but. Especially the NES one when we've been playing. I mean, you can master that level and in 10 seconds go from playing perfect to down to two hits away from right, down. Right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the, the controls, especially in that one, are unforgiving. There's instances where you have to drop down and then wall jump off the ledge that you just dropped down from. You can complete that. Somehow I can do that. I cannot complete that, so I'm pushing the buttons incorrectly. Yeah, I haven't been v- able to very it out. stiff on the NES and just having the two buttons. You definitely wish you had a couple trigger buttons to switch through your weapons on that game. Yeah, instead of pressing select. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that is brutal, annoying. outdated. Which, it was funny when I started playing, once I bought that game off of eBay, um, and I was playing it, and I played it for a couple of hours and didn't realize that you could switch uh, the weapons. I didn't understand why I was picking these weapon power-ups up. Yeah. And uh, I was pushing all the buttons on the controller trying to figure out, like, there's got to be a reason. Um, so I went to the internet, found out you push select to change the weapons through. Right. And obviously the select button on my controller didn't work. So yeah. eh, that was kind of fun. So fisticuffs uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm just punching, punching dudes. Um, so the next game that we're going to talk about is going to be Batman Returns on the Super Nintendo. It was released April uh, 1993. And it was published by Konami for the Super Nintendo, the Sega version, the PC Engine version, and there was another version. They were all published by different people. Oh, okay. So I, I didn't write those down because we didn't play those. Nope. Um, again, no numbers on the copies sold. Um, this one you get to play as Batman and Batman only. Um, you do run across Catwoman, Penguin, Stun Gun Clown, uh, and the Organ <laughs> Grinder. Uh, so they all make an appearance in the movie in this or in the in the video game. Uh, this game is for being a brawler, for being a beat 'em up. It's really movie accurate. Yeah, it is. You recreate well, you don't have to, but you can recreate the 
scene where Batman shoots his grappling hook behind Selena Kyle and yes. the stun gun clown. That was really cool. You did it first try. I tried it. it. Didn't work so hot, but it is cool if that's in the game. Yeah, you can you can recreate that. I wish I wish the character in the game would pick up the stun gun and shock the clown, but yeah, she does awesome. not do that in the game. Um, it's it's a really standard beat em up that you would see from Konami of the era. Um, it's exactly what you expect it to be. You're moving, you know, you're moving from left to right, but you're also moving up and down the screen while you're mm-hmm. fighting the enemies. Um, you're not really picking up objects to use as weapons, but you are beating up trash cans to reveal power ups and, right, and life right. and stuff like that. Um, you can switch to the batarang at points to. Um, take care of those pesky uh, motorcycle clowns, right? Yep, yep. Instead of just jumping and letting them run you over and kill you immediately. Um, it's this one is easily considered to be one of the best uh, Batman games of the era. People love it for and, sure. I think this was my favorite one, edging out the NES one. It's mm-hmm. literally almost an exact copy of Spider-Man: Maximum Carnage, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite games. But instead of Spider-Man, you're Batman. Yeah, and it's. Definitely a fun game, and um, with those beat 'em ups, they can get very repetitive. But uh, it's uh, it's cool to keep on pushing further and further and further. Right, and they feel like arcade games because there's definitely moments where it's like, oh, they're trying to get your quarters. Yeah, and it's a little more forgiving though, definitely than the NES one. Uh, it's not as easy to go from full health to one hit from dead. Yeah, no, game, correct. Which is nice. <laughs> correct. Um. The last one that we played was Batman Forever, and this game is a little bit infamous. I know the Angry Video Game Nerd has a pretty famous video from early on in his uh, time doing those videos on this game, and it's maybe not as bad as uh, he would make it out to be, but it's definitely a frustrating game to It play. is definitely frustrating. You think about how you always wanted to have the full box for a game for its value. This one is more so so you know what the heck you are doing. (laughs) Because if you don't have that little instruction manual that comes with this game, you're going to have to look stuff up because they're just simple things are way harder than they seem like they need to be. Why would you think to use your grappling hook to go straight up to an invisible hole that you can't always see because invisible the f- hole. foreground is getting in the way because it's doing the double layered thing to give you that sense of depth, but all right. the foreground does is get in the way. And to grappling hook, you just press select. Yep. So if you just do that, you do not go up. You have to also press up on the D-pad or you'll just keep swinging around the room right. like a dope. But don't push them at the same time. Nope. Select up. Select up. Yep. Slightly before time it just right. Man, and then the same thing with getting down from those uh, platforms, R and down, right? R and then down. R do down. Try to do them simultaneously. Do not do, and then, so this game, I I skipped over this, but this game was released August '95. It was published by Acclaim. It's the same uh, engine as Mortal Kombat 2. That's pretty funny. Yeah, because we both thought yes. definite Mortal Kombat vibes. Yes. When you're standing there, you look like the character well, select screen in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, doing like, the same motions. Kind of you know, shifty. Yeah. Uh, again, no solid numbers on it. You play as, this one's a little different. You play as Batman, Robin, or you can play co-op Batman and Robin. Which is definitely cool. Yeah, and that's what we played. I did play a little bit on my own also, but, I mean, it, the difference in difficulty is, like, it's if you're by yourself, there's less enemies. If there's two of you, there's more enemies. So the difficulty doesn't, there's no makeup or takeaway with the difficulty in mm-hmm. that game at all. 
Um, but the interesting thing is you can go uh, co-op competitively. And we didn't play it, but I think you can beat each other up like in the story. There's also, oh, really? there's also a fighting element in that game. Where you can just like face off characters against each other and fight each other like in Mortal Kombat. That's kind of funny. Um, we got a cat attacking something back cat here. Cat attack. Cat attack. I forgot to shut the door <laughs> to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we put a pretty good amount of time into this one. It's probably the second uh, most time we put into any mm-hmm. of the games. Um, I don't know why. I mean, mainly because... It took a lot of time to figure it out. The first yeah, because we could both play, and yeah, the first time was a lot of like, how as a kid would you have any idea where you're supposed to go from you level wouldn't. to level? And it's got the riddles in there and yep. all that. But yeah, this is definitely you need to look stuff up, or you need that instruction manual, or you're gonna have a pretty rough time. Yeah, that's uh, definitely for sure. Um, you do end up facing off against Two Face, the Riddler, and Sugar and Spice. Uh, so again, it's a pretty movie accurate video game and uh, that's what they were going for um it's not a good game <laughs> it's not a good game it looks cool i mean it's inventive probably i mean i feel like it was inventive for its time yeah it is interesting when you go from playing the nintendo batman to playing the super nintendo one i'm always struck so much by the difference in the sound yeah always like then the super nintendo you just know it's a super nintendo there's nothing that sounds anything like it and um i really enjoyed the soundtrack in uh in batman returns or batman forever yeah uh but uh the nintendo one that one can get stuck in my head oh definitely the eight bit going on i like that a lot and like I said, this uh, Batman Forever is just not a good game. Not it, a good game? It's one of those games where you play it to complete it just to say that you've completed it. Yeah, definitely. Kind of kind of like watching the fourth movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of, uh, Batman and Robin is the fourth game. That one was on the PS1, the PSX, as they used to call it back in the <laughs> 90s before the PlayStation 2 came out. Um, that was released uh, August 7th, 1998, and it was also published by Acclaim. Uh, I actually have some pretty good information on this game because it was slightly revolutionary. Nice. Uh, the game was delayed a full year after the movie's release due to the ambitious open-world Gotham City environment predating Grand Theft Auto uh, 3. So that's pretty neat. Like, that is cool. Um, you probably wouldn't have, I don't know if you wouldn't have Grand Theft Auto 3 the way it is without this game, uh, but it definitely laid some groundwork. Um, the PlayStation game uses elements of a sandbox style game. Uh, you get real time events, you get traffic simulation and you get civilian population, civilian population. You can use that, uh, term loosely because besides the enemies that populate the world, which are all clones of each other, um, there is one female body type and one male body type. Sure. It's the same one person walking by themselves occasionally when you are, driving around in the city. Right. So civilian population. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get to play as Batman, Robin or Batgirl. And I believe that it's at different times within the game. You don't get to like choose which one you are playing. Um, the villains in the game are Mr. Freeze, uh, poison Ivy and Bane. So again, really movie accurate. Um, from watching it on YouTube, the gameplay, I do have to say the worst part about this game looks like the driving. The draw distance on the 3D graphics, it's it's so short. Like, 
you'd be going and before the world populates in front of you, all of a sudden the road's like turned and you're like, uh, uh, it just, it just did not look like it'd be enjoyable to actually drive the Batmobile around yeah. and you're driving the Batmobile around from Batman and Robin. So like the worst Batmobile. The worst one. And it just looks very terrible. Yep. Um, the game definitely looked fun from what I saw, but uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not about to spend $70 on a PlayStation game that you don't get to see the back of. Yeah, as, as much as I would love to hear all of the Mr. Freeze puns in this game, <laughs> I'm sure that would be awesome. 70 bucks is a little much. It's just too much. For that's it. a little much if you know the disc is perfect. Uh, yes, that's but, just a risk. Yeah, when it's you can't see, nope, not happening. Not happening. Um, yeah, man, these games, they were fun to play. It was cool to play them. Um, maybe someday I'll get my hands on a copy of Batman and Robin and play it. Yeah. Um, it reminded the gameplay reminded me a lot of uh, the way Metal Gear Solid uh, looked. Uh, like just the look of that game is so of its time. Mm-hmm. Just looking at it, it's like oh, that's some nostalgia right there. Just yeah. looking at the way uh, those polygons come together and the way this. The screen kind of shakes and waves mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it was, maybe someday I'll get my hands on that. But yeah, these definitely were fun. Um, when we do some hangout sessions where we're not working on the podcast, I can definitely see us playing the NES Batman and the SNES Batman again. Yeah. yeah. Not forever. No. <laughs> I don't think we'll play that again. No, that one might be collecting dust on my shelf. Yeah, but the other two are definitely a lot of fun. So if you didn't have a chance to check those out, you definitely should. Yeah, I really recommend it. And. All of these games are are probably available on emulation. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure you can find a way to play these games one way or another. And I recommend I'm, I recommend all of them. Why not? Recommend them all. Play them all. They're fun. Yep. Um, so I guess, like I said, it's going to be a shorter episode. So we're always already going to move on to our homework assignment today. There we go. Um, I found out that uh, it's not a quadrilogy. It's a tetralogy. Tetralogy. Those silly Greeks, right? <laughs> um, so basically, your deadline's been extended on those first five episodes. Now yep. you have the opportunity to watch all these movies, and we're going to talk about all of them again in one episode, one master episode. One master roundup episode. Um, are you going to rewatch all four? I am probably going to rewatch all four. Are you going to be done with Batman for a while after rewatching all four? I'm going to be very done with Batman <laughs> for a while. I do want to watch the new one again yes. that does not ha- pertain to our podcast because I only saw it once in theaters, which is not like me. But I'm surprised that you only saw that once, huh? Only one that time. That surprises yeah, me. I'm, I'm definitely a usual minimum three times to go see something, but yeah, I only saw that once. Um, speaking of movies, I'm going to go see, this is not topicals because if somebody listens to this years down the road, it's not going to make any sense, <laughs> but I'm going to go see the new, uh, Dr. Strange movie tomorrow. Ooh, nice. Have you seen it? I have not. But I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think it. we're going this weekend, so. Yeah, I'm excited to see that one. Going to a 10.30 a.m. show. You know how I know you're old? You're going to a 10.30 a.m. <laughs> show on a Friday. Definitely. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to be done with Batman for a little while myself. Um. I've enjoyed watching all these movies. Um, uh, Batman and Robin's going to be tough to get through, I think. It's going to be tough, yeah. I'm going to try to rope my wife into watching all these movies with me one last time. Um, I'm not going to take any notes on them. I'm not going to be doing anything else while I want. I'm just going to watch them. Just straight up watch them. Just straight up watch them and um, 
maybe choose some of the better, funner, more fun things that we've talked about from the last few episodes to maybe uh, touch on again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess I really don't have much else for our homework assignment. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I don't think so. So yeah, like you said, if you have watched these and done your homework, you get a couple weeks off, just yeah. like we do. Yep. But uh, otherwise, all you slackers, now's the time. Go watch these movies. Yeah, go watch the movies and definitely uh, go listen to the other episodes as they come out as well. Yep. Um, well, one last thing. I'm going to do myself a shameless shameless plug. You can find me on Twitter at Drew Morehouse. Boom. So find me on Twitter if you'd like to interact with me. That would be fun. Um, Trav, take us to the outro. The outro. Time for some emails. So we got one here. Shout out to Drew's buddy Mike for sending us in this email. It's a good one. Uh, when you were a little kid stuck indoors on a snowy afternoon, what were some of the lame-ass daytime TV shows that you came to sort of enjoy only because there was nothing else to watch? And uh, he says, for me, it was Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Northern Exposure, and Golf. And he says, I think Dr. Quinn and Northern Exposure originally aired in prime time, but they reran during the day. You get the idea. That's kind of what I was figuring with some of the shows as I was looking these up. And he says to keep up the great work, Drew, and he's excited for the Buckaroo Banzai episode. <laughs> Me too. I'm very excited for that episode. So getting to that question, uh, yeah, what are some lame-ass daytime TV shows that you kind of started to like a little bit? Uh, like more than just a little bit, that's for sure. I really enjoyed watching Golden Girls in the afternoons. Nice. Um, so that was the first one that came to mind when I read this email. And once I reflected on it more and thought about it more, there's kind of like the stuff that was on in the afternoons when I was a bit younger and then the stuff that was on in the afternoons when I was a, a bit older. Mm -hmm. So like around the age of 10, the things that would come on in the afternoon would be like MASH or the Andy Griffith show Ooh, yes. or uh, what else would come on in the afternoon? A lot of those black and white shows yeah. uh, from the 50s. Uh, Dennis the Menace. That I used to watch that one when that one came on. I liked to watch that one a lot. Definitely. Um, but so then later on, the shows that were on a little bit later when I was a a little bit older, um, like The Facts of Life. I really liked watching that one a mm -hmm. lot. The Facts of Life, uh, which Clooney was in that for a couple of seasons, maybe just a couple of episodes. I'm not sure he was in that. That's uh, cool. In that show. Uh, but besides uh, The Facts of Life, I was a, a I still am into game shows. Mm -hmm. uh, so like uh, press your luck that was always on in the afternoons um uh price is right well, obviously price obviously, is right yeah as we all were sick from school or snow days you're yeah. always watching bob yeah. barker but uh, uh no whammies no whammies big bucks <laughs> you know big money big money no whammies press your luck that was the the big one for me i really mm -hmm. really loved that show forever i still love it <laughs> yeah so for me I, if Annie Griffith is an option, I guess I didn't think of that as a daytime sh TV show, nor do I think of it as a lame-ass show, but I really like that show. My, that was one of my dad's favorite shows, so I got to watch a lot of Annie Griffith. That's awesome. And I enjoyed that for sure. I kind of had to look this up to see like what qualifies as a daytime TV show, and the one that I actually watched a decent amount, not super proud to say, is the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> I think this is kind of what Mike was talking about. I think it originally was a primetime thing that you would see maybe like the less crazy reruns during the day, yeah. you know, the less X-rated type Jerry Springer mm -hmm. show. But obviously seeing all the 
you know, brother cousin situations. <laughs> and that was definitely funny. And the only other one, I didn't look this one up to see if it was for sure daytime TV, but it's the first one that popped into my head without looking anything up was uh, Cosby with mm. Kids Say the Darnest Things. Mm, yeah, definitely. I thought that was a fun show. Yeah, it was. That is, Bill Cosby doesn't hold up anymore, but nope, the, show was, the show was fun. Um, yeah. So our next question here is, Hey, I saw her first wants to know, who was your first movie or TV show crush? Ooh, ooh. So it's between two actresses. Okay. Uh, Natalie Portman. And Christina Ricci. Nice. Those are my two. It was between those two. So Ricci because of Adam's family? Yes. Or, and yes. then what was Portman in? Uh, she was in, uh, did you ever see The Professional? I have not. So she was in that when she was probably like nine or ten. And that movie came out when I was like nine or ten. Right. But that was like the, that was the, that was the movie. I'm like, oh, Natalie Portman. And For then, sure. Natalie Portman's always been one of my Hollywood crushes, and she always will be. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, for my two, I'd put down two as well that popped into my head right away was Kelly Kapowski mm, from Saved mm-hmm, by the Bell, mm-hmm. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, mm-hmm. for sure. And the other one I put down was Denise from The Cosby Show. Oh, also nice. I had a big crush on Denise. Again, Cosby doesn't really hold up anymore, <laughs> but I do enjoy that show. I will admit it. <sighs> and our next question here is, do not eat that apple. Wants to know your favorite Disney princess. Hmm. Favorite Disney princess. I Jasmine. Jasmine is my favorite Disney Boom! princess. Yeah, Jasmine. That, that proves Drew and I have a lot in common <laughs> doing this podcast because that is who I wrote down as well. Jasmine for show. Yeah, it's I probably put, I bet you that's my favorite I bet you that's my favorite Disney of the nineties. Agreed. Yeah. Yep, definitely. That one is not so there's some questionable racial stereotypes and some questionable like yes. violence for a Disney movie. If you go to the Disney plus app and you go to the kids like section of it. So there's like, you can choose just kids stuff. Mm-hmm. It is not in the kids. You have to go to the fun. regular adult Disney plus to be able to watch Aladdin. Maybe that's why we liked it a little bit. Yeah, more maybe, maybe knows? right. Uh, next question here is, I wet the bed until I was 14 once and know. Were there any Disney villains or characters that scared the bejesus out of you? I can go right back to Aladdin, Jafar. Jafar, Man. definitely. Jafar was really scary and so was uh, uh, Cruella de Vil because she's, Ooh, yeah. she's cruel. like <laughs> So cruel. It's in her name. I mean, seriously. She's crazy cruel. Did you see the uh, live action Remake I, of it? I, I did not. Uh, my wife saw it, and I did not see it. She really liked it a lot. Yeah, I, should I heard see good it. things. Yeah, I should definitely see that. Um, I agree with Jafar, but I didn't write that down. The one that, for whatever reason, and I loved this movie, but he just haunted me, was Radagast from The Secret Mouse Detective. Oh, yes. That clock tower scene. He's mm-hmm. just one evil-looking rat. He's one yeah. scary rat. Man. Yeah. That's an underrated Disney. It's really good. Underrated I mean, it's, Disney. I mean, it's basically... A Sherlock Holmes movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's still really good, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next question here I put, Red Rum wants to know, was there ever any horror movies that you stayed up a little too late to watch when you were a kid that maybe you shouldn't have? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, AMC, might have been AMC, might have been TNT, one of those cable networks on around Halloween, they would play all of the Halloween movies, all mm-hmm. of the Friday the 13th movies. Right. And I would record them onto VHS 
and I would watch them and I would stay up late to watch them. I would, and they're recorded off TV, but yet they would still scare the crap out of me. Yeah. I mean, I was a younger kid, understandably, but they were edited for television for yeah. God's sake. And I was still afraid of them, but I used to do that almost every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horror movies. I've watched them probably more than I should have. The ones that scare me the most are the ones that are based on something that actually happened for sure. But I remember being a kid, the one that I wish I would not have stayed up and watched when I was young was Candyman. Oh yeah, that uh, is a scary one. I watched that staying at my cousin's in South Dakota late at night. And yeah, that kind of ruined mirrors for me <laughs> for a while when I was a kid. Like, no. Um, one that I, from the eighties that I saw as an adult because I was told you got to see it, it's crazy. Um, it was the Hellraiser movies, especially the first one? Mm-hmm. I saw that as an adult, and I'm really glad I did not see that as a oh, child. Terrifying. That movie is disturbing. Disturbing. <laughs> and my next question here: I said Joe Montana wants to know what was your favorite sports movie growing up? Mighty Ducks. That's an easy one for Mighty me. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, it's an easy one for me. It's got the local tie. I uh, played hockey growing up. Yep. And who can say no to Emilio Estevez? Seriously. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling you were going to say that. I put down two. I put D2. Mm-hmm, We've mm-hmm, talked about this mm-hmm. before. I just loved the Bash Brothers. Yeah, the yeah. Definitely oh, great. That was, I think, my favorite one of the two, War Number 21. So between Kevin Garnett wearing 21 and mm-hmm. one of the Bash Brothers wearing 21, that was like my number for sports growing up. I always wanted 21. Yeah, I put the Sandlot in D2. Yeah, Sandlot's Just because awesome. appear watching them the most yeah. out of any of them. With an honorable mention of Space Jam. Um, what about the, so I always get them confused, Rookie of the Year, and what was the other one that came out around the same time that was the kid? Was Rookie of the Year and Little Big, no, not Little Big League. Yeah, was it Little Big League? I think so. I'm one, thinking Little Giants or something in my head right man, now. Man, the one with the... The little big league, that was the one where he could throw really fast, right? Or is that rookie of the year? I think that's rookie that's of the year. Rookie. That's the one I've seen a bunch Yeah, with him with like the, he's in a cast yep. and then all of a sudden he can just rock it. Yeah, hits the doctor in the face and the doctor says, funky butt loving. Funky butt loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an adult line, I guess. Um, Yeah. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Next question is. Hey, don't take my fanny pack wants to know, what was your favorite store to go to at the mall when you were a kid? I really liked to go to Suncoast so I could buy a a VHS or a DVD uh, for $35. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. The Suncoast was when we would go to the mall as a family. Uh, I'd be like, I'm going to be at Suncoast or I'll be at Pocket Change or I'll be at Target. You know, like mm-hmm. find me one of those places if you right. need to find me. So this is really cool. So... Most of these emails that are not from people, I am writing up, and this is no. this is candid emails for Drew, basically. And once again, we meet on the same thing. Suncoast is what I put down. <laughs> I loved Suncoast video. Um, I remember so badly wanting to collect all the Dragon Ball Z VHSs. Yeah, because they, they made so a picture. Cool. They yeah, they made so a cool. picture. Oh, I needed those. Now I have them on DVD. But yes, I, I do kind of wish I would have had those VHS copies as well. That was some of my first anime buying experiences was at Suncoast. Yeah, like that was the anime store, yeah. basically. You could buy manga there and every manga, manga, however you want to say it. Manga, manga, manga. Uh, yeah, I was even a member of like the, the rewards program where if you bought 
it was a ridiculous like if you bought like three hundred dollars worth of Jesus. merchandise there you could get like a free vhs tape. so like, like your whole childhood unless you're <laughs> saving up a lot of birthday money well, that's what i would do is i would make my lists of all the cds that i wanted to buy all mm-hmm. the movies that i would want to buy and then when i would finally have some money in my grubby little hands i'd be like i gotta go spend it on some movies yeah or cds right or, yeah fond memories of the mall i i were you a mall rat? I wasn't like a mall rat. I wasn't a mall rat, but I lived in New Ulm and we had the market plots. Ah, mall, yes. Which yes, was yes. not, I mean, when I was a real little kid, it was actually kind of cool. I mean, we had like a footlocker and an on cue. Oh, I remember yes. that was the first place I saved up money and bought my first PS1 game, mm. which mm. I believe was either the first Cra- Crash Bandicoot or the first Spyro. I can't mm. remember which both one. Both amazing games. Both amazing. And then they had a little kind of like hobby store um that had cards and that's where i got my first pokemon cards oh cool from that store but yeah it's kind of a mall rat in the sense that when i got a little older my cousin and i would come to the mankato mall a lot for something to do like drive a half hour and come walk the mall even if i didn't have money (laughs) yeah play a pocket change in the arcade yeah yeah i did the same thing i lived in the same city as the mall and uh in mankato and Lived about thirty minute a thirty minute walk away from the mall, so mm-hmm. I'd walk halfway to get my friend Matt, and then we'd walk the rest of the way to the mall, and we'd sure. spend the day at the mall, and then go maybe see a a dollar matinee at the movie theater. Nice man, that was th- the best. You could just go see a movie at the movie theater for a dollar in the middle of the summer. It was the best thing ever. Not the case anymore. No, not the case anymore. I'm paying seven fifty for my tickets for my ten thirty AM show tomorrow. Right. Seven fifty. Come on. Seven fifty. What else you got, Trav? Well that actually wraps up our emails. So make sure you are emailing us. Uh I was joking before. These are all real emails. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. don't make these up. Nope. Period. But yeah, make sure you are emailing us at overdue homework podcast at gmail dot com. Um I'm still frustrated that that first episode I said it wrong because that's the one that's out and published, <laughs> and I'm, I bet all of you are emailing us right now. But yeah, make sure you email us with any topic ideas, any screw ups that we do, any funny insight that you want to throw at us. Just email us, period. And a uh, reminder that next week's homework assignment is for all you slackers. We're giving you one last chance to catch up on any of those Batman movies that you missed. If you have done your homework, then you get two weeks off. So that's awesome. And make sure you check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework. Also follow us on Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast, where Drew will be putting all the updates, everything Overdue Homework on there. And yeah, I really just want to say thank you again for everybody who is listening from the beginning. Um, It's been really cool seeing some downloads on this podcast. All the support has been super awesome. And as always, make sure that you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.